0: WSB's Eric Gurich. Atlanta's evening news is coming up at 5. Between now and then, if there's a traffic red alert, breaking news, severe weather alerts, the WSB 24 hour breaking news center will not hesitate to break in. And we'll have more during Atlanta's evening news from 5 to 7. Depend on it. Now, Jamie Dupree with the latest breaking news from our nation's capital. All right, he's the most connected man in Washington, D.C. We are lucky to have him every day, the one and only Jamie Dupree, sir. Hey, Sean. Why did Kareem Abdul-Jabbar say Ben Carson is bad for black people? Did you see that comment? Doesn't that anger you? You know, I'm not really sure why this happens. You know, we we had the head of the NAACP, Brooklyn Chapter, blasting Carson as, quote, a safe Negro. I mean, Democrats do this all the time. You cannot be a conservative. And Hispanic. You cannot be a conservative and be uh, a black American or African-American. You know, so anyway, it was on Mediaite today and that apparently he wrote that while Carson's success is an inspiring one for African-Americans, his presidential run is bad because of his repressive, muddled and pious policies. Really? Wow. Anyway, I just it, it angered me and I thought maybe you saw it and I was hoping you'd be as mad as me.
1: Sorry, I da- I didn't see it. I look, you're absolutely right though. When uh, ever we've had examples of an African-American sort of rising up within the Republican Party, it does create a lot of consternation, shall we say, on the Democratic side.
0: Now, I have been interviewing all of these candidates. Uh, last night we had on Ted Cruz and, and Jeb Bush. Tonight we got Carly and Rand Paul on. The night before we had Donald Trump on. I'm keeping my promise to give as much access to the candidates as possible. But there's been a lot of movement, as you and I have now been discussing all week here. There seems to be it's Carson Trump and Trump Carson, and it's Rubio Cruz, Cruz Rubio. And that seems to be the two tiers. And probably one of the bigger surprises is that Jeb Bush's numbers, you know, have now gone down to 4% in both the Fox and Quinnipiac polls. How do you... How do you see that?
1: You know well, you look at here's a bunch of uh, recent national polls for Bush and we start with the ones that are further away. So the oldest ones eight, seven, five, eight, seven, six, eight, four, four. So you see him trending down. And you know that's nowhere near the double digits that Rubio and Cruz are in. It's nowhere near the over 20 that both uh, Carson and Trump are at. And so it's obvious to me that uh, Bush is struggling along those lines. Now his people said this week they were very open about it and telling reporters that they thought his numbers would fall even more over the next couple of weeks, and then they would be able to recover. Certainly next Tuesday's debate in Milwaukee could be step one for him, uh, but there'll be an awful lot, you know. Look, I think there's a lot of pressure on Jeb Bush right now to try to find a way to turn this around, because it's such an easy story to look at and say, wait a second, what happened to this guy? He was supposed to be, uh, you know, his super PAC's got all this money, and they've spent all this money on ads, and yet his numbers have come down. I still think, as I look at it, I, I don't understand why, for example, the super PACs associated with Cruz or the ones with Bush, why they're not on the air with more ads at this point in time and spending their money it would seem like the Bush people, what you would want to do at this point in time is start defining Donald Trump. I mean, who's the one group out there that has used negative ads so far this year and has had an impact? It would be Club for you Growth see, I against I, Trump I, you see,
0: But you're the, you and I have pretty much been the only two to point that out. And we have discussed it at length because you see the correlation when, when Trump, came it started to come in second to carson in iowa it was right after those ads yep. started and i think it was a fairly
1: big buy by what a million dollars or so yeah and and look you know it's november 5th i know to a lot of people that sounds like oh we got a ton of time to no the not caucuses. anymore no it, it now's the time to go for it now's not the time to sit back and and wait for your money you know it's like i always say about using your time you know every minute you waste today is a minute you never get back before the first primary or caucus you never get it back Yep. And if you're going to not spend your money, I mean, it's so what's the, the old line about, you know, keeping your own money? You can't take it with you. Well, it's the same thing in a campaign. Oh, is it going to do you any good if you finish fourth or fifth in Iowa if you're sitting on a huge chunk of money? So, yeah, I, I think uh, a lot of people wondering. Now, I haven't put this up yet on my blog at JimmyDupree.com, but I'm going to put it up later this afternoon or tonight after I finalize the numbers. But we talk about how this race is splitting up into tiers and there actually is the first real test of organization that is going on right now and that is in Alabama where by Friday evening You, as a candidate for president, have to file a slate of delegates and have them file a statement that they're running as delegates, individual people, so they can be on the ballot for the March 1 primary in Alabama. It's sort of a different kind of thing where not only do you vote for the candidate, but then you have to vote for the delegates as well. Now, there are 47 possible delegates. It's going to be hard to follow here on the radio, but think of this, 47 delegate slots that you have to fill. As of right now, still with another day before the deadline is here, Marco Rubio has been able to f- uh, file forty of those forty-seven slots. Ben Carson, thirty-nine of the forty-seven. Ted Cruz, thirty-six of the forty-seven. Donald Trump, thirty-five of the forty-seven. So still with some time to add in a few more and get a few more qualified. They're right up there. And who are those four? That's the tier one and the tier two, right, Sean? Those Absolutely. are the four that uh, we uh, see at the top. I am shocked. I didn't see this until you just me- you sent it to me earlier today.
0: So a little side note. Jamie emails me again when you sent this to me today, I was kind of shocked that he's struggling yeah. to field a full slate of delegates. Well, you know how many Jeb has out of 47? Well, that's what
1: I'm saying, yeah. Again, Rubio, 40. Carson, 39. Cruz, 36. Trump, 35. Bush, 18. Rand Paul, 14. Fiorina, 13. How could Kas- they not be paying attention to this? Who's in charge? Kasich, 8. Huckabee, 4. Santorum, 4. And then a Bagel, a 0. For Pataki, Graham, Jindal, and Christie in Alabama. So, again, this to me is an organizational test. Can you motivate people to sign up and pay the fee and agree to run as a delegate on the Alabama ballot? It's different in Alabama than there's only, I researched it last night, I think I found five or six states where you still run as a delegate on a line on the ballot, as opposed to most states, you know, the candidate runs and then they apportion out the delegates later on. So, in, in this case, to me, this shows organization. The Rubio people, the Carson people, the Cruz people, the Trump people, they've been able to get out there and convince people to put themselves on a line They don't have a full delegate slate, but they're close to it. But then you get down, uh, Jeb Bush, at 18 of 47. Rand Paul is surprising at 14 of 47 slots because his dad, I went back and found the sheet from four years ago, that his dad had a full slate almost for the 2012 race, and Rand Paul has not been able to duplicate the organization and the groundswell support for him uh, in in 2015 so far. So this, to me, is an example of how Bush is struggling, that when you can't even get a full delegate slate ready but in when you consider like when he started out, he had so much money; it yeah. was almost assumed he'd
0: win. I mean, the establishment was behind him, and then he had a high burn rate in terms of the money. Now it's shocking. Hey, I want to play something for you because this is pretty funny. I don't think anyone in the media picked it up. So Kevin Cork, I think is the guy's name. He interview. He's he asked a question of uh, propagandist Josh Ernest about the if the co op failures in the if a system is still a success. And in the end, Josh Ernest actually says, thanks to Obamacare, when people lose their insurance, which, by the way, it was like your plan, keep your plan, like your doctor, keep your doctor, save $2,500 per family per year, and we all know costs are going up 30 to 40% on average this year. Anyway, he actually admits, well, don't worry, if you lose your plan, you can always shop for new insurance.
2: And what we've been committed to all along is the uh, successful functioning of marketplaces across the country that will provide an environment where insurance companies can compete to provide quality, affordable health insurance to Americans across the country who seek to obtain their health insurance through the marketplace. Uh, these are essentially the, uh, the those Americans who aren't able to obtain health insurance uh, either through their parents or through their employer. What we have seen is that people who are shopping on these marketplaces uh, in general uh, are finding a good product at an affordable cost. Well, what about the 12 of 23 co-ops that have failed? and Taxpayers are essentially Kind of be in the for a lot of money. And the point is, Kevin, is that those, that even though the, that that some of those co- those co-ops won't remain in business, it will not affect the overall competitive balance in any of these marketplaces, as evidenced by the fact that seven in ten Americans can purchase health insurance for seventy five bucks a month. So, what about the people who have these particular co-ops for coverage? What happens yeah. to them? now? They'll be able to go into the marketplace uh, as of Sunday, and they'll be able to shop hey. for coverage. And the good news is, because of the Affordable Whoa. Care Act. Uh, just because uh, they lost their health insurance, they actually can now go to the marketplace and wow. they have options. This is an opportunity that million American, millions of Americans have. And they can, as of today, they can go to healthcare.gov and start shopping.
0: You can go in the marketplace and start shopping. It's, it's great. Whatever happened to keep your plan, Jamie? I'm just wondering
1: yeah and I did think it was interesting this week with the start of open enrollment uh, Sean that while this is still a big issue obviously as you indicate there for Republicans didn't hear as much about it this week from the congressional GOP and now maybe as we get to the end of the open enrollment period which I think is January 15th maybe it'll ramp up a little more uh, but uh, still waiting on obviously as we've discussed Republicans don't like what that's uh, that's there but they still have not been able to bring to the floor for a vote in either the house or Senate anything that would replace the current law
0: unbelievable all right now uh, what else do we have? The House approved this uh, funding bill. Now, we're uh, going to have uh, it at the bottom of the hour. Did you hear the speech by Senator Steve Daines of Montana? It was awesome.
1: Yeah, are you talking about uh, the House passed the, the highway uh, yeah. bill? Yeah. Uh, that also included, I just want to note for people who did not read the bill, I did leave through it, there are provisions in that highway bill that renewed the charter, the reauthorization of the Export-Import Bank. That was tucked in there by the GOP leadership. That's part of that bill. It's now going to House-Senate negotiations, so I will have to uh, figure things out there. The House today also approved a revised defense bill that would, uh, that would block the, the moving of detainees from Gitmo, from Guantanamo Bay, back into U.S. jails. You know, the White House floated yesterday. I thought it was really interesting to listen to Josh Ernest both yesterday and today. To me, he was telegraphing that if the Congress doesn't knuckle under on this, that the President will use some sort of executive action to move these detainees out of Guantanamo Bay before he's done in office and shut that terrorism detainee facility, the prison, down. Uh, if that's something to keep By executive on. order. Yeah, it, yeah, because there were today, for that defense bill, with these provisions in it, there were 370 votes. I mean, an overwhelming bipartisan vote. And so it would seem like there might be enough votes there to override a veto if the president vetoes that bill. Have we heard anything from the Republicans at all that they would try and challenge that? Well, I would assume so. I mean, I, I can't imagine the, the grounds that you would use, especially, to, well, but they've done it before to get around provisions that seem to be in plain law in that this same bill uh, about Guantanamo Bay. So we'll have to wait and see. But it, it almost seemed to me that that Ernest was telegraphing that maybe by the end of the administration's time in office, they will do something to try to shut down that pr- that prison at the Guantanamo Bay Naval
0: what, Base. What light can you shed on this this whole plane issue? Because we have the Prime Minister of, of Great Britain saying, we have become concerned that the plane may well have been brought down by an explosive device. The headlines, you should see them all over the New York tabloids today. They're basically declaring this an act of terror. The top fold of USA Today, British fear-bombed down U.S. jet, And yet we have everyone saying cautious, 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 cautious. Uh, planes don't usually fall out of the sky. Jamie Dupree, you can ask our fr- mutual friend Neil Bortz.
1: Yeah, and and what's interesting is that both at the at the the podium at the White House, the spokesman Josh Earnest again telling reporters today, look, the U.S. is aware of what uh, Britain intel- British intelligence thinks and what they are saying, but that they are not publicly ready to say that. And members of the intelligence committees here in the Congress also very reserved and cautious as well, basically telling reporters. They've seen this stuff. They think it might be a little quick to step out on that limb and point to terrorism right away. And this is both Republicans and Democrats saying this. So they've heard the chatter. They've seen the reports, but they are not ready yet to say, you know, with with, you know, sort of assuredness that this was a bomb that brought down this Russian plane. You know, I want to point out something, you know, we were talking
0: this week about how the federal department of education is focusing in on, the, on that one transgendered student that should have the right to shower with girls mm-hmm. and in a 14 page letter about shower requirements do you know detroit you know what the literacy the failing literacy standard rate is there i'm not I'll trying to test it's you not very obviously it's, it's not very good 93 percent failure rate baltimore 87% failure rate on math exams. But, the, but our Department of Education has a 14-page memo about shower requirements, and Michelle Obama spends $70 million to empower girls in Pakistan while U.S. students fall further behind.
1: Well, you know, the Congress has the, uh, the ability to dig into those departments— and bar the spending of money, none of the funds shall be used for X, Y, or Z. Oh. They have the ability to do that. In other if words, they we're back to. to our same old
0: debate that you and I have all the time, yeah. which is the Are they going to use the power of the purse?
1: I think uh, I think I wrote a piece last year that I found in the omnibus. I want to say that there were 450 some examples where the Congress had written, "None of the funds shall be used for dot dot dot." Yeah, I think so, we have a, little, uh, a few more of those, don't you think? Certain, oh, they can put them in there if they want, but now that that's really what's happening now are the negotiations over that, and that's why it's so important, I think, for the House and the Senate to pass as many of the bills individually as possible to try to get that message out and not just lump them yeah. into one giant omnibus, but that seems to be where we're headed. All
0: right, Jamie Dupree,
1: the most connected
0: man in Washington, thank you, sir. Yeah, Sean.